Welcome to The Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Edge of NFT live in Dubai at the Future Blockchain Summit. I've run into two gentlemen that I'm really excited to have a conversation with. I don't actually think I've ever met them both in person at the same time in the same place. But that's not surprising because they run Upland, which is one of the largest virtual worlds in Web3. So it's great to meet with Dirk and Adan and have you guys on the show. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or, if you received that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore, because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them, and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. So I'll give everyone a little bit of your backgrounds and we'll just jump right into it, okay? So Dirk is a Silicon Valley-based serial entrepreneur and blockchain technology enthusiast. He co-founded and co-leads Upland Me and serves as the chairman of the Open Metaverse Alliance Web3, OMA3, which I'm also excited to talk about. And he's done a lot of stuff, all right? That's really the bottom line. And then Adan is the co-founder and co-CEO of Upland Me. You've also done a lot of stuff, but particularly in gaming, consumer, internet, mobile engineering, all those fun things. And thus we get into Upland, which you guys were part of the first inaugural NFTLA and You've been in this space for a really long time, so you have such a rich perspective that we can't nearly get into in this interview, but what does the world need to know about Upland? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, probably how we all got started, right? Actually, we started in 2018, which makes us somehow OGs or whatever you very call them, OG, right? yeah. I mean, I was just getting into the space around then, so yeah. yeah. It's a very long time, and actually, I started already in 2011 with all blockchain. At that time, everyone was just talking about Bitcoin. Blockchain, as such, you know, as a buzzword, was not really around because I got really fascinated by it. Is that because I wrote once my PhD about private state-controlled currencies? That oh, Bitcoin, this is a cool concept, right? Since then, I never let go. And then in 2018, Idan, Mani Honigstein, our third founder, and I, we put ourselves together. I said. When we want to build something, we have to build something that's ready for the mass market, right? And we were thinking lots of concept during that time. We said, okay, first of all, what does everyone understand? We were basically, we took, okay, let's take the idea of Monopoly. Let's get inspired by Monopoly because I think I've never met anyone who does not know what Monopoly is. Yeah. But, everyone's played uh, exactly. and everyone's had those long games that like, <laughs> 
They're like, do I want this to end? No, this is actually really fun, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was the first thing. The second thing was, okay, everyone's talking about VR headsets and so on, but no one's really yet using it, right? We said, okay, where are people on? On mobile phones, right? Okay, let's do mobile first. And then we thought, okay, blockchain is really complicated in the sense of, oh, private keys, wallets, and all that. We said, okay, mass market is not ready for that. So that was somehow, you know, the requirement. We said, okay, when we want to build something, it has to be easy to use and so on. And then we also add this whole real-world component to it, where we say, okay, Upland is based on the real world. We're currently live in 23 cities in the U.S., three in South America, four in Europe and Tokyo. You don't have to be in those cities to play, but that's how we all got started because it creates this emotional attachment to a place like San Francisco, New York or London. where Boston, we also Boston, where I'm from, no, right? Boston is not open yet. I'm well, sorry. Well, it's got to be coming because there are some diehard Bostonians out there like myself, even though I'm in LA now. So, Don, I got to ask you with your... I imagine your gaming background kind of fit into the mix here because like you were sharing with me, you have 30,000 active users daily, which is, is really incredible. Not everyone realizes that, right? But that takes some gamification. Was your background in gaming sort of, sort of those fundamentals key to how you sort of created Upland? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's important is that in the consumer space, and we're talking beyond the crypto crowd, right? We're talking about mass audiences. It's really how to catch people's attention. And even once you do, it's really how to convert them into engaged players. And some of the things we use to do that is gamification loops. So when you walk into Apple, it's an open-ended world. It's an open metaverse. It's really easy to get lost in all the things you can do and engage with. And that's why you need some simple loops to kind of like, first of all, grab people's attention. And again, Dirk mentioned like the immediate connection to Monopoly, so you immediately understand getting properties, completing collections, building up your properties, etc. That's the basis. But then you discover more and more. So things like community building and world building and things like car racing and kind of like a deeper engagement loops with brands like the FIFA World Cup and the NFL Player Association. So to get deep into that funnel, you need some gamification to keep you engaged until you are able to comprehend and discover and go deep into the product. Yeah, it makes sense. So you guys have done a lot of collaborations and partnerships over the last sort of five years. I'm sure that, I know this is like asking for your, like who your favorite child is, but I'm sure there's some warm spots in terms of your hearts, in terms of some of the collaborations you've done and activations. Are there any sort of that you think about fondly, I guess? Well, each of us is going to give an estimate because I know what Dirk is going to say. I'm going to leave it to him. So I will go with one of the more recent partnerships we've done with a Brazilian racing league called Stock Car Pro Series. And that's like equivalent to the US-based NASCAR, if people are more familiar Very with cool. that. So they take basically Toyota Corollas and Chevy Cruises, make them into amazing racing machines. And they have an entire league with famous play, uh, racers. Sort of, for example, Ruben Barrichello is a racer who used to be in Formula One. He races now in Stock Car Pro Series with his son, actually. I think also in the same team. Oh, wow. And what really excites me about this partnership is I think it's one of the first partnerships that basically covered the entire vertical of our offering inside of Upland. So everything from collectible cars, where you can actually race them, but not just race them, you can actually race them on the real racetrack. So we have the Interlagos racetrack in Sao Paulo, which is an iconic racetrack. You can go with your stock car pro car and race it there. All the way to spotlights from the races. So video moments as NFTs, you can kind of like 
engage with and win and collect. And in there's the an e-commerce component too, right? With digital collectibles and physical merchandise, correct? Absolutely. It's the driver wearables. It's their helmets. These wearables can be worn inside of cafes in Upland as actual wearables. So everything is tied together. Uh, there's a gamification, there's collection. And this is really exciting. The community is really excited about it. And I think these brand partnerships, they just magnify the offering, right? And, and make it kind of like more approachable, more palatable. And also, it attracts also the fans of that brand to come into Upland, to explore, to kind of like get into Web3 metaverses, etc. Makes sense, Dirk. Does another one come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably unsuspected, I would say, FIFA, because I'm such a big football fan. I mean, I mean, soccer. Right, so football, and, uh, <laughs> not the American football. Well, Got we, it. We also do the NFL Players Association, so we do also American Very football. Cool. I was so super excited being originally from Europe of having the goals of Messi at the last World Cup when he scored it. I know if you watched yeah. the final, it was just amazing, course, it was amazing final ever, right? So, and you can get this as an NFT in Upland, but so that's one with the big brands. But we also have to mention we have also what we call the Upland Developer Network. We have a third party developer platform where actually any developer can put their own apps on top of Upland. And also here, our community has started to develop apps there, right? So I also love that, how they actually engage with the existing content, because they understand Upland very well, and they created apps like Uplandia or Upland Kingdoms. You know, these are really interesting apps. That, that co-creation with the community is such a, yeah. a meaningful experience, right? To see their passion come out and use these tools that you guys have put all this time and energy into. It makes a lot of sense. So I thought it was pretty interesting when I found out that after all this time, you've chosen to sort of launch uh, Sparklet, right? Which is a token component to Upland. And we talk about it on the show a lot, not going token first too early, building real community. I have to assume there's a lot of like thought that's got into this process to sort of decide to do this now. What inspired Sparklet and what's it all about? Maybe just to start and Idan can take over. So first of all, what it is, right? It's Sparklet is actually the root of, of what we currently have been doing for two years. We have a token in Upland, which is called Spark, right? So maybe I'll just step back. We have actually two tokens Upland. One is called Apex, which is a fixed exchange rate. You get you buy for one dollar, you get a thousand Apex, and then you purchase virtual assets in Upland, like which properties or the cars, which Idan mentioned. It's basically a medium of exchange. And the second token which we have is called Spark. And the Spark is like what we call it's a resource token. And the idea is that you, when you want to build something in Upland or want to manufacture something, right, you have to stake Spark. The more you stake, the faster you build, right? So that's the high-level idea of that token. We launched that token already two years ago, and we were able to collect a lot of data, right? How people are using it, how many, how much they're staking it, and so on. How much they contribute, because they actually can also contribute, you know, your spark to other buildings and all that stuff. So we learned a lot, right? So we took that knowledge, right? And then in combination with the latest uh, Ripple ruling, which has happened in the US, right? We saw really an opportunity also now for our community, right? To provide them because you cannot trade Spark within Upland, but to give them the opportunity to trade it, but outside of Upland. And, but we're doing this by bridging Spark out of Upland onto Ethereum, and then it's called Sparklet. Why it's Sparklet? Because we divided by a thousand, but currently we sold Spark for $460. You don't need one Spark to build a lot, right? So it's more of the smaller amounts. However, that's we divided by a thousand. That's why it's called uh, Sparklet. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If you want to elaborate, Don, that's fine, but I am curious yes. as you elaborate sort of what you hope 
sort of happens as a result of this sort of external economy. I, I sort of, I talked about the tokens if it's new and thanks for clarifying that, but essentially this is a major step in terms of expanding sort of the token economy, right? Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons why we want to do this. And by the way, this is together with the community. We just, we published the white paper proposal about two weeks ago and then gave the community the opportunity to make comments. And then we had a vote in Upland and this white paper got approved by a majority of 87.3% of voters. So first of all, the first job for us to do was to seek the approval of the community. But the reason we want to do it is first of all, we want to give the players the ability to trade Spark. Up until now, like Dirk said, it was not tradable. And again, in a way that maintains regulatory compliance for us in the US, this was one option, one opportunity to do that. But maybe, I don't want to say more importantly, but as equally as important is, as you know, the Web3 industry currently is going through some kind of like a bear market. And one way for projects to actually resume growth and have growth is that visibility that can be obtained by having these tradable tokens on exchanges. As it gets more and more tough for projects to actually grow by traditional means like acquiring users on social media, appearing in blogs, etc. This is a major, major opportunity for growth for Upland, which we want to kind of like seize with both hands. And then the other thing is, that, again, it gives us a bigger visibility and credibility in the wider Web3 community. Because up until now, it's pretty funny because Upland has been able to recruit audiences from the mass markets. They were not necessarily crypto aficionados. And if you ask like the Web3 native community, you know, what are the top metaverses, right? Oftentimes, Upland would not be up there because it doesn't necessarily identify with Web3 metaverses because it didn't have a token. So that's another important, because Upland has its place among the top metaverses in Web3 for sure. And then having that token traded in reputable exchanges creates that visibility and credibility is, also internally in the Web3 community. Is there a gaming integration component here where you're able to integrate Upland and with more outside games? Is that possible as now? Yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. So Upland, and this is something we've thought about from day one, right? How to build a completely open metaverse, even before it got kind of like branded that way. And as of today, Upland is completely open for anybody to connect with their offerings to kind of like the Upland economy, the user base, the identity system, the land system, the NFT creation system. So everything is open. You can actually come to Upland. You can recreate it like the entire neighborhoods, entire cities outside of Upland in a completely different game and connect to and allow Uplanders to play your game and it seems like it's Upland, right? We actually encourage that. We encourage people to do that and expand Upland beyond what it is currently. We look at Upland as a layer one platform and you can come up with any offers that you have as a developer, as an entrepreneur, expand, add value, add new types of things. It could be games, it could be services, it could be anything you can imagine. And this was super important for us. So in that process, you can also make use of Spark and integrate that into your offering as well. So it's not just the Apex and the economy and the land, it's also the resources of the players that they can utilize in your offering. Very cool. Well, we love to cover things at the edge of Web3, and this is certainly one of them, so that's really excited. But you mentioned sort of something that I wanted to go into with you a little bit more, Dirk. I mean, 
you guys have been really open and sort of partnering with all the different metaverse platforms in this sort of OMA3 metaverse council. For those that don't know about the council, how long has it been around and what are some of the key initiatives you're doing there to sort of support sort of the next wave and sort of removing some of the friction that we've all have seen sort of going on in the metaverse experience over the last wave? Yeah, so roughly one and a half years ago, right, or a little bit more, right, I saw, you know, I was at a conference, NFT NYC, right, it was a big, another big one, right, and I saw all these projects, I said, oh, they're all working somehow in their silo, I mean, we're Web3, it's supposed to be open, right? You and, think, right? Yeah, exactly, and then we don't want to repeat this whole idea of having a walled garden and just getting all the users, and the, the true value of Web3 is that the user's at the center of everything, he's in control of his assets, of his data, right? And how can we actually make this vision as some kind of a reality? And you can only do that if you really start working together. So then I actually invited together with uh, Baptiste from Space. We, we said, okay, at the next conference, why don't we invite all the big guys or OGs in the space together in one room? That was really, we have a picture of that. Everyone was there, right? Nice. So it's really like Animoca Brands, Sandbox, Stepper Labs, Decentraland. So we're all in one room together. I said, hey guys, we have to work together. We have to get this started, right? And that was actually, let's say, the birth hour of OMA3, which stands for Open Metaverse Alliance for Web3 and um, of course then you had to do some administrative stuff it's actually right now it's an association in Switzerland in Zug right where we started and now anyone can go and join OMA3 and the mission of OMA3 is really to drive forward interoperability right between the different metaverses in OMA3 we have several vertical groups like one is called the asset transfer group one is called the NFT working group where we're working on standards and royalties and all that stuff one is called the uh, portaling group, right? So in portaling, just saw a demo, people are really developing things. So you were actually in one world and then you should see a circle and you could look through into the other world, which is so cool, right? So yeah. you actually can move that. So it's important. And we're then governed by a board. So I'm currently chairman of the board. And we have, you know, Robbie Young of Animoca, the CEO of Animoca is in there, Lazaro, uh, Batis. There's a few people in there where we try to bring things forward. I can imagine at some point in the future that these board meetings are simulcast in every metaverse, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that could be yeah. fun. So are you guys taking policy positions on sort of things like what Meta is doing? And sort of, I'm sure that's come up in conversation at least a little bit, right? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, we don't have all the details of what they're doing. Of course, they're quite secretive, right? I've, it's a little I've, bit opposite of yeah. open. Yeah. Even though I talk to them, right? But they always share only what's public anyway, so I don't have any science or knowledge. But the idea is also that OMA3 doesn't all work in a vacuum, right? There's also other standards organization or committee. The most prominent is the MSF, Metaverse Standards Foundation, which is a loosely coupled also forum where people are together. And we have a liaison agreement with them. Right, and we are active in there as well. However, we always represent them Web3, we represent the blockchain related stuff, true ownership, and all that. That's coming with us. Makes sense. So, Don, we're in sort of the heart of the MENA region. It's bustling here. There's some background noise during this interview. It's, it's very active and lively. A lot of building going on in this region, but also a lot of people gathering here. I'm curious, like, why did you guys? decide to come together to this region. What is this region's significance in terms of the development of your ecosystem? 
I think like again we live in a world where our industry is a baby and it's evolving and during that evolution there are a couple of very hot significant hot spots in the world and I think Dubai is one of those hot spots they've been investing a lot in growing the ecosystems they actually work to create regulation that works with companies and this is such a big contrast to like what we are experiencing like a US company for example right where kind of like we feel like we have to work very very hard to under even understand the regulation even so that most of it doesn't exist right yeah I heard from someone on the show that there's like a 1300 page guide but they're like thank you for putting a guide together so we can at least know what the rules are and then we can follow them right we don't have that luxury in the exactly. US right now and again both of us are in the US we're a US company we love the US it's very heartbreaking to see it because we feel that the US is missing an opportunity to take leadership position in the industry but we're not giving up we think that at the end of the day uh, so, so there's something to learn from what's happening here and to share with folks in the US a hundred percent and it's always good to be engaged in these ecosystems and be active and learn from what's happened connect with people and at the end of the way we're gonna take it back to the US and apply it and hopefully we even I don't want to be presumptuous, but we want to be in a leadership position where we kind of like spearhead how to do things right in the U.S. And hopefully regulation and legislation matures and we can work hand in hand to kind of like to a better point. But definitely we can take examples from places like Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore, throughout the world where they are actually treating Web3 as an opportunity and not as necessarily a liability. And don't get me wrong, by the way, we need regulation. This thing needs to be able to tackle all the problematic aspect of an unregulated space. But again, I think like if the U.S. took a more proactive approach for regulation, taking examples maybe from places like Dubai and Hong Kong, I think we'll have a easier time. And then the U.S. can capitalize on this huge industry that's going to emerge. Makes sense. Dirk, is OMA3 sort of thinking about coming up with some policy recommendations for different countries and particularly countries like the U.S. that don't have that playbook defined yet? Well, to be honest, right now we're not because I mean this is still a very grassroots organization. A, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, 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 it's a lot, right? So, and of course, are we going to develop standards or at least suggest standards, right? Something like that, right? But uh, policy lobbying is not really. Maybe in the future we'll never exclude it, but at the moment it's really we're just trying to make this interoperability effect. Well, you guys have plenty going on. I'm excited to have a chance to sit down with both of you in one place, IRL. Where can folks go that want to sort of stay in touch, learn more about what Upland's up to in yeah. OMA3? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, for Upland, you go to Upland, Upland's website, upland.me, which stands for Metaverse, by the way. We, <laughs> we found that URL in 2018 already before all the Metaverse hype. So, Upland.me, then you follow us on Twitter, Upland uh, or an X, uh, Upland.me. Obviously, right on all the other social platforms. Personally, you can follow me on Twitter, Dirk Lloyd, and Iran, you're Iran. No, and, and just also, we're on the App Store. So we are one of the few Web3 projects that is fully on the App Store, both Apple iTunes and Google Play Store. So just look it up, download it, really easy to get started. And myself, Eti Danzak on, on X. And OMA3 is OMA3.org. That's where you can sign up and join it, right? We have a different tiered memberships. So when you're, for instance, an educational institution, it's a little bit cheaper, right? But when you're a big corporate, right, you have to pay a little bit more. But of course, we live from those fees in order to support the operations in OMA3. Great. Thanks, gentlemen, for hanging out today. All right. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thanks to uh, Future Blockchain Summit for bringing us all together. We love having listeners like you because you're not only generous, but you're smart and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. 
Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act, but how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence back to charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their maximum impact fund, clicked donate, sent crypto to their address, done. Their maximum impact fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. Hi, everyone. This is Josh Krieger, co-host of Edge of NFT, live again at the Future of Blockchain Summit in Dubai. I'm hanging out with some really cool folks, including the one and only Chris Bowden from Blowfish Studios. He's the global marketing director. And they're up to some cool stuff. We're going to talk about it a little bit. Great to have you on the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah. So, especially located on your shirt for our audio-only listeners is your newest project, Phantom Galaxies, which I think is sort of what brings you here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Phantom Galaxies is a, an online multiplayer shooter, like an action ARPG based in the mecha genre. So, if you've ever been into Transformers or Macross or anything to do with mechs, it's very much that kind of vibe, right? You're in space, flying around. You could transform from like a mech form into like a spaceship. So that kind of sci-fi kind of vibe is, is what we offer with Phantom Galaxies. Cool. Yeah, I played a little bit and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So let's just sort of rewind a little bit and then we'll kind of go into it in more detail. What is Blowfish Studios? Like, what are you guys all about? What's some of your sort of history? Yeah, Blowfish Studios is really cool. So as a studio, we've been around for 12 years, originally making AAA Web 2 games. And then a few years ago, uh, Animoca Brands acquired us and asked us to start developing Web 3 games. And so the really cool thing that kind of makes Blowfish unique is we've retained all that amazing Web 2 talent who are making these fantastic Web 2 games. And we're now making a AAA quality Web 3 product in Phantom Galaxies, which is, in my opinion, you know, the best looking and best feeling and highest quality Web3 game in the space. Absolutely. So I think that says a lot about the pedigree of the studio that Animoca decided to acquire you all. They have a lot of opportunities in the space to collaborate with different folks. And I found it really interesting. One of our earliest shows was with Yat uh, Sue, the chairman of Animoca Brands. And not a lot of people know the gritty history of what Animoca has done in the gaming industry. At one point, they had some of the top games, mobile games in the world on the Apple Store, and then they were just taken off the store completely. Did you know that? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because their beginning started in Australia as well, so we've obviously got a bit of history. Cool. So they were taken off, and that was because they were so effective at cross-marketing their games, and Apple couldn't figure out why this company from Hong Kong had all the top games in the space, and they were doing a lot of cross-pollination. So you're in a good family now, and uh, you guys have sort of come out with this game. Why Web3 for this particular game? What, what's sort of fitting from a use case perspective? 
I think there's a need in the space for AAA games as a whole, right? So looking at it from that lens, it's do we have the quality to bring Web3 gaming to the mainstream? And then beyond that, you look at, okay, what genres people wanting content? Or where yeah. is there perhaps a gap? Yeah. And you know, the mecha genre isn't the most popular genre in the West in terms of available products. I think it's popular in terms of everyone has a love for the mecha genre. So for those of you at home, just kind of think Transformers. Think Transformers, yeah. right? Yeah, mecha is like the Japanese word for mech, I suppose. So Japan, there's a lot of IP focused on mecha, not so much in the West. So we identified that. That was a, one of my favorite shows, by the way, Transformers. Amazing. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was back in the day. I'm dating myself. But but yeah, I mean, I think I owned a bunch of them. And I, yeah, I was always part of that world. Fantastic. Well, you'll love Phantom Galaxies then. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun playing it. Sorry for the uh, intuition. You were talking a little bit about sort of that's a unique sort of genre, something that you could really sort of use some of the Web3 attributes with because with your Mac, you can do so many different things. Yeah, so in terms of the Web3 elements, we're kind of strictly, we don't want to be pay to win in any way. So the NFTs that you can purchase in Phantom Galaxies are cosmetic only, but still really, really cool, right? So we'll have a suite of cosmetics that can make your mech shiny or whatever color you might like. That's kind of our focus with the Web3 integration. We also have the Astrofer token as well, which has in-game use cases as well as outside of game. So you guys are, are sort of thinking about this stuff day and night, eating and breathing, living sort of how to integrate Web3 in a thoughtful way. Some of those considerations are around personal identity and, and sort of the play and earn mechanics and ownership and whatnot. What have you found sort of is working effectively and what are things that like don't work, like where you're not as focused? It's a really good question. I think ownership, as you mentioned, is, is where you have to start, right? Because if I look like I'm a, a gamer myself, a Web2 game originally, and what appealed to me initially about Web3 games was the ownership aspects, right? In so many games, I will transact, I'll spend a lot of money and I've got nothing to show for it. And so when I found out that I could actually own those assets, that was really appealing to me. I think there are a lot of other amazing benefits that Web3 offers that are probably a bit further down the track. So interoperability is one that gets spoken about quite a lot, but probably doesn't exist in as many games as, as you would like or as he's spoken about. So that probably comes a bit later because there's obviously a lot more technical considerations. So yeah, for us at the moment and for myself, it's ownership is the message that I feel is the strongest that's going to bring us to mainstream adoption. That makes sense. And sort of where are we in the life cycle of Phantom Galaxies? You released your beta a little while back. And I guess by the time folks listen to this, there'll be some new sort of uh, milestone achieved, right? Yes, yes. So on November 2nd, we launch into early access and Phantom Galaxies will be available on Steam and Epic Games Store. It's pretty big news. So the version of the game on Steam will actually be free to play which is huge. There aren't many Web3 aligned games on Steam. So that's massive for us. And on Epic Games. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So for those listening, you can already go and wishlist the game on Steam and Epic Games Store. So you get your notifications when we're live. But yeah, it's going to be a huge moment for us. Cool. And you guys decided to come out to Future Blockchain Summit. Thanks to them for bringing us together. Obviously, the gaming economy, everyone plays games globally, right? Where does sort of this region fit into your overall sort of focus from a marketing perspective? And what are some of the other regions that you think about? Yeah, I love this question. So yeah, the Middle East is very close to my heart, right? In my career, I've been 
from Australia, but focused on the Middle East. Just by chance, it's worked out that way. And oh, so, cool. so it's like coming back to uh, your second home. Exactly, exactly. And so this is actually the first time we've been able to bring Phantom Galaxies to the region, which oh, is really exciting. Cool. And so I'm personally kind of leading the charge internally to continue expanding us in the Middle East. And look, I think the Middle East is, when it comes to innovation and new technologies, it's always at the forefront. Right, and I, that's what I love about this region. People always want the latest, most innovative, best technology. People don't need to wait to feel comfortable with things; they're just going to jump in. And so, I see the Middle East as a key market for Web3 gaming. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the time zones where they're sort of intersecting with both Asia and the U.S. But everyone here is ready to do things, yeah. right? To create, not just talk. Like, there's a lot of building going on here and a lot of high quality sort of business deals that are getting done, not at the superficial level. What's been some of the sort of feedback you've gotten on the game so far at the booth? It's been phenomenal. I mean, the number one thing people say is like, oh my God, look at the graphics. How is this a Web3 game? My personal opinion, again, it is the best looking Web3 game out there. It looks phenomenal. No think, bias. No bias, no bias at all. But we get that genuine reaction from people when yeah. they walk past. It's We've got a foundation here that we can really build off of. I mean, we're going to early access, but we've got a long-term roadmap to an eventual full launch and then just constant building. Like, we've really got an amazing product on our hands. I'm excited. We're definitely going to have to talk again and check in as you guys keep building and, and doing cool things. Hopefully, we can bring Phantom Galaxies to LA at some point in the future. I think that would be a cool audience that would really enjoy seeing this game IRL. I guess just for, you mentioned the website, where can folks sort of stay in touch with, with you and sort of follow along what you guys are doing at Bullfish Studios? Yeah, so phantomgalaxies.com is our website and we're all across social media if you, you know, search for Phantom Galaxies. Again, I think right now, first and foremost, wishlist the game on Steam and Epic Game Store. Check it out. The pages are already live, so you can go ahead and wishlist and be ready for that launch into early access on November 2nd. All right, gear up all you Transformers fans and... I know you probably want to actually see the game. So we're going to have some fun here and go through one of the many halls of this uh, big conference and uh, get to see folks playing the game. And who knows, maybe we'll like oust them or find a seat so we can play as well. How's that? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love. And what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Hi, everyone. Josh Krieger here, co-host of Edge of NFT, live at Future Blockchain Summit, again in Dubai. It's a day two, fun morning here, chatting with Nova Lorraine. It's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. It's always fun to meet entrepreneurs that are also in podcasting and media. We'll get into your bio a little bit and then we'll jump into a fun conversation. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Nova is the founder, creative director, and editor-in-chief of Rain Magazine since 2007. She's interviewed luminaries (laughs) like Mark Cuban, Kendall Jenner, Damon John, Nikki Hilton. The list goes on and on. And she's a multi-talented creator with awards like Best, Hattor, Contour Designer of the Year, (laughs) featured in Vogue Italia. And she's also a poetic storyteller. She's been nominated for uh, two podcast awards, including Podcast of the Year and People's Choice Podcast Awards. That's pretty amazing. Can you be my coach? (laughs) In the metaverse, she's launching two podcasts as well, and she's doing a project called raindrops.io, 
which is an NFT art house, and she serves for advisor of all different DAOs, which is a magazine, and we'll get into some of your other projects. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm sure I missed some things, but <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it's great to meet you yeah. and, and excited to learn more about what you do in the world. So I guess the, the, the first thing is like, Starting a magazine is not easy, right? Yeah. Like it's not on my list of things I want to do. So why start Rain Magazine and how has that journey been for you? Great question. I mean, no. I admire it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, ignorance is bliss because I didn't come from the publishing world. I did a stint as an editor at a major publishing house and was really passionate about helping other creative entrepreneurs. And I was like, I'll just launch a magazine and it'll be a multimedia platform. It'll be my way of giving back to the creative economy. And that was like, I was like, I, I like to write. And I know a photographer, you know, it was just yeah. like, again, ignorance is bliss. But what led me to that journey of launching Rain was I had been in the fashion industry for about five years at that point. I had pivoted from clinical psychology. So I was pursuing my doctorate and had a divine download one day that I was gonna help people through my love of fashion. So I pivoted, finished early with my master's, went on to FIT New York and started that journey. Literally just had a business plan and a dream and that was it. And the as incredible as that ride had been during those five years with the awards and the accolades and doing incredible shows all over the world, it was still very challenging. And being a creative and an entrepreneur. I can only imagine. I mean, I do a weekly podcast and it's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, there were many days where I was like, why am I doing this? And I wanted to give up. And it was always that bigger why that kept me going. And I knew I wanted to inspire others. And so I said, well, if I'm thinking about giving up, think about how many people actually have given up and what can I do to help others continue with their dreams? And that's how Rain was born. So it was truly like this passion project wanting to fill this higher purpose. And I came across the concept of a virtual company way back when, in 06, and I said, I'm gonna do this virtually. At the time I had a showroom you know, for my collection. I had just opened a store, and I said, I don't want any other physical anything. So I had just had a baby, so I had like, no, this is gonna be virtual, and I don't wanna be limited by the talent that I can have as part of this, this new dream and baby I was creating. And so a group of five of us launched Rain. And when did the podcast come into the mix? Yeah, so the podcast journey, interesting. Like I wanted to do a digital radio show, but the technology wasn't as accessible then. And so my first audio interview with Josie from the Pussycat Dolls. Nice. And loved it. I was like, this is such a fun medium to have these really intimate conversations. And so that led to podcasting in 2019. So I did that interview maybe around 2016, 2017, but then full blown dove into podcasting in 2019. Okay, and I gotta ask, cause we started audio only as well. Was there a moment where you decided to incorporate video or did you do video right off the jump? I've learned that our audience really enjoys video. Like we have a lot of audio listeners, but we have over 40,000 subscribers on video now. And that's just in the last year. So it really surprised me in terms of the interest in sort of consuming interview content via video but i guess it makes sense intuitively as i think about it more it just wasn't sort of something i expect at the time yeah i agree i mean podcasting is audio right so when you right. think of why you go to that medium 
it's individuals that are cooking dinner, driving to work, they're right. running, you yeah, know, they're doing like, other things. Well, well, you don't want to like watch a video while you're cooking or, or hopefully not while you're driving, right? right. But, but yet it's really increasing in demand. When did you do so video? So for me, it's been all my podcasts have been audio only. Okay. And my next podcast will right, incorporate well, well. video. So for me, my podcasts have been audio only but I recently made a decision to incorporate video. Yeah. So my AI for Creatives podcast will incorporate video, and then I have a new one that I'm launching that will be video as well. I guess that makes sense. I mean, you're into fashion. People get to see that your awesome looks that you rock, right? Yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> I will tell you, you'll be really surprised how many people listen to your videos. So yeah. um, I think that makes sense. And, yeah, uh, I but, agree. And I started discovering new shows via video now too. So. But I, I also appreciate that you've been a purist in the audio format because I felt like we were the outlier for a while, so we're rocking that format together. I guess, what's Beyond Raindrops? Tell us more about that project as well. Yeah, so my journey in Web3 started in 2013. So through Rain, which covers the future of fashion, culture, and technology, I discovered Bitcoin. And so did a story on Bitcoin, fell in love with this concept, and tried to get a mining machine at that time, but I was a little too late, unfortunately. Um, you gotta check the warranties and the, <laughs> and the fine print. Like I thought about it so many times and then I dig into it. Then I realize like the chances that I don't get my money back are, mm. are very high. Yeah, this was when the bigger companies dove in and there was just nothing available at the time. And so by 2017, I started doing research again and came across Ethereum and decided to invest in Ethereum. and. 2020, I just dove in full time, Web3, crypto, started day trading, reading every white paper I can get my hands on, which you know is the business plan of these new startup companies. And that's when I realized that we were on this paradigm shift. And this technology, amongst others, are going to disrupt everything we know. And so on that journey of starting to educate now about crypto, Web3, NFTs, it really fascinated me, the concept of tokenization. And so beyond just talking about it and teaching around it, I wanted to, as a creator and as a designer, as a storyteller, I wanted to play with the toys and the tech too. Absolutely. So I launched an NFT project and my vision was to continue to launch these really impactful stories as digital assets and art as digital assets. So how does that work? How do you make a story into a digital asset? Is it with like, you know, a video and a multimedia NFT? So illustrated my characters. Okay. And then the characters were minted as NFTs. Cool. And so as you collect the character, you learn more about the story. How many different characters? I have about five main characters, okay. but the one that I started with, and the character is not human. <laughs> so she's an alien. So I started with her and um, a few supporting characters. Well, you know, we are kind of all aliens from one perspective or another, right? Yes, absolutely. Cool. That's great. Where are you going with that project at this point? I mean, obviously the market changed quite the a lot. The market really changed. So as <laughs> timing was horrible, you know, so I released this concept back in March of 2021, right when the market started dipping. But what allowed me to do going through that process is realize that so many people needed to be educated on how to even mint an NFT. What is an NFT? What is the value of collecting digital assets beyond just speculation? What can you do with them? And so from there, that led me to just advising many startups and founders 
in the Web3 space, getting into immersive environments, building with immersive technologies such as Unreal Engine and Unity. And then that led me to AI, which is where I am now. I love that. So much about sort of your focus in terms of educating folks and sort of being curious that I can relate to personally in terms of what's happened with our you know, company over the last two years. It's been a rocket ship, right? Um, I'm sure you've experienced that since starting Rain. And speaking of rocket ships, those ships eventually going to land on other planets. And um, from what you're sharing, your newest project uh, will, will help people look good when they're on those trips, right? So tell us more about that, too. Yeah, so a summer ago, about a year ago, I was an accelerator, a NASA accelerator. Uh, so tech I love to, how you just casually dropped that. Yeah, just casually. It was their tech to transfer program in conjunction with Virginia's Virginia Science and Research Park, Virginia University. Virginia oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I went to William Mary, so. Oh, okay, okay, so this was through Virginia Tech, and it was there that I had this inspiration around the House of Nova, which I describe as the future of couture. So how can we use fashion with storytelling, powered by technology to really make a difference, to really create impact, to raise consciousness? And then how do we take this new medium of fashion, this fusion of fashion into the future? And what I see as a future is space travel. And so if we're looking at commercializing space travel and then eventually... What's the timing on that, by the way? So rumor has it now. We are 2023. Yeah. From what I remember reading, 2030 in terms of a hotel okay. on Mars. Okay, not that, that not far away. Not that far off. Who knows, you know, in terms of if and when it will make that timeline. But I will be ready <laughs> when that hotel opens. I love that. <laughs> and I want to continue to look for ways to incorporate fashion in areas and industries that have not yet been tapped. So for that type of situation, I'm just thinking it through from an entrepreneur perspective. Different planets have different sort of atmospheres. Maybe the clothing has to have different types of properties in it to yeah. sort of not only look good but also withstand the elements right so yes. what's your different lines for different planets like <laughs> how's this gonna work oh yes uh, all right if you're gonna take that idea i'm totally fine with it, and run with it. So i was just focused on mars space line. but if we could do like the mars line the venus line i mean initially i'm focusing my collection on individuals here on earth and what they'll be needing it for. Okay. Bring it into various mediums with technology such as AR, immersive environments, using generative AI in that flow, that workflow as well. And working with institutions and organizations such as Fabric, which is out of Arizona in the US. They're a digital fashion innovation center. Yes, cool. Yeah. So both virtual and digital research and development. And working with organizations like that to bring these new ideas to the forefront in terms of what fabrics would make the most sense if we were taking it to another environment or another planet. But then how can we use these innovations here and now? And how can we distribute fashion in a way where it can scale and reach so many more people? Couture is very exclusive in the physical form, but it's much more accessible in the digital form. And so how can we use that, not just for gaming and wearing in these virtual environments, but then also for inspiration, storytelling, and a new way of exhibiting art? Makes sense. So speaking of contour, there's a lot of that in Dubai. 
I described the city to one person where we're walking around. It's like Cordeo Drive on every street. I feel oh, like. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of good fashion here. Absolutely. Um, by my layman taste. <laughs> but we are in this region. Is this your first time in Dubai? This is my first trip to Dubai. Okay, mine as well. What brought you here at this moment? Because we've all known about Dubai for a while. Yeah. But, but we're here now. You're here. I'm here. And what's sort of the significance of this region and from your perspective now that you're on the ground? Yeah, thank you for that question. So I'm here for Jitex. I'm speaking on two panels, one today. I taught a workshop yesterday, which was AI, fashion, and blockchain. Great. And how that is disrupting fashion and online retail. Speaking on two fashion workshop or panels today and tomorrow. And I'll be doing a keynote on Web3 and the future of fashion at the World Trade Center as part of Jitex as well. Wow, so they have you booked. So they solid. have me booked. <laughs> yes, and then now, so like being here and touching down, um, it's been a fascinating experience so far. I've only been here for a few days, but to see the feats that have been accomplished from an architectural standpoint, to see the energy around innovation and entrepreneurship and networking and connecting has been exceptionally inspiring. Yeah. And so if you're, in the space of futurism and you are a creator, a builder, a founder, or someone that's looking for that next project, that next gem, this is a great region for that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I encourage everyone listening to figure out a way to put Dubai on your sort of calendar and get over here sooner than later. A lot of exciting stuff going on. Yeah. Very grateful to uh, Future Blockchain Summit for bringing you here, bringing yeah. me here, bringing us together. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Absolutely. Where do people go to sort of download all this information about everything you're up to? <laughs> At Nova Lorraine, and that's L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E on most platforms. I'm most active on LinkedIn, getting more active again on Instagram. I'll be announcing new art and fashion that I'll be releasing and a project that I'm super excited about. So definitely you want to follow me to get more info on this is a project around the lunar launch, the next lunar launch that's happening um, that's taking place on the Space Coast out of NASA. And there were 222 artists that were selected to have their art presented in this art preservation project. So the digital assets will be minted on the blockchain. Awesome. and sent to the moon. So I'm go. one of those artists where my fashion will be minted in part of this art preservation project, part of the lunar launch. And thanks a bit, Basel, for curating me as one of the artists. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely know those guys have been to their events. You'll let me know when that's ready to happen and we'll sort of share that with our, our yeah. community as well. Yes. Such a pleasure to have Such you on the show and good luck with all your speak. I, get a I hope you have a chance to do a little shopping and enjoy I was literally just saying that on the way here this morning, like I need to go shopping yeah. before I leave. I mean, you're in the biz. There's a lot of fun stuff. So make sure you fit that in. Thanks Thank for hanging out. Thank you so much, out. Josh. Absolutely. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of NFT reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. Our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. From time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of those links. Refer to our website, www.edgeofnft.com, for our full disclaimer, 
terms and conditions, and privacy policy.